Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on this podcast, we love to amplify the voices of those women whose stories are moving and meaningful and compelling. I'm super excited today to have a friend of a friend on the show. You guys know I often have uh, women on the show who've been referred to me by other friends that I've interviewed before. And today we have my friend Lan Fan on the show. Lan, welcome. Hello, Susan. So happy to be here. It's been a while since we scheduled. So it seems like forever that I've been anticipating this great conversation. <laughs> yes, I yes. Good yeah, things uh, happen it. for those who wait. <laughs> yes, that's the good things about to happen for those who wait right now. Um, I have been curious about you. I have wanted to know a lot about you. And I said, you know, don't reach out until the day of the show, then learn more about her on the recording because that makes for a super genuine, um, authentic conversation. And that's what we like to do here. So before we get started, I have to ask you, Instead of a picture of you on the screen, I'm seeing community of seven. Can you tell me what that is? What is that? Why, what, why is that your picture? <laughs> so um, community of seven is an invite only community for those looking to change the world. So we bring leading executives, founders, thought leaders, change makers together to solve really big business and societal problem. So at its essence, Community of Seven is a community of leaders who understand that before they can change the world, they first need to start on becoming their best self, whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally. So that's kind of the, I guess, consumer side of Community of Seven. We also have a corporate side, which we just launched. Um, you know, Community of Seven is all about transformation. And we work with uh, companies through purpose-driven communities, content and programming. So we work with not, uh, for-profits, non-profits to keep, uh, create really deep brand loyalty through the power of belongingness and purpose. So we do training programs and I'd also consult with companies and help them build mini communities within their organization, whether it's like an advisory board or it's working with their leadership team or whatnot. Wow. Oh my gosh. You may not know this, but I own another company on the side and we have so much in common. We should have another conversation after the show. Um, truly, I want to introduce you to so many people. I want you to learn more about what we do. This is so aligned with my ikigai, my life's purpose, my passion. Um, I'm so glad I asked that question. You're even more fascinating to me now than you were before. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about you personally. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm an introvert who has spent the better part of my career and personal life building communities, uh, which seems ironic in a lot of ways. Um, as I mentioned, I'm currently the founder and CEO of Community of Seven. Uh, when I was younger, most people were drawn to the popular kids. I would always look for the shy kids, the one that were alone. Um, the outcast, because I always wanted to kind of help people and I wanted people to feel less alone. So building communities has always been in my DNA. Um, I'm a Vietnamese refugee. Um, I came here when I was a few months old. My mom, my dad, and my two brothers escaped Vietnam, um, literally with the clothes on our backs. So when we came to America, we had absolutely nothing. So it was an American family that sponsored us. It was the churches that closed us. And I realized early on the power of communities and how important it was to 
in essence, my survival and then later on my happiness. So when I got older, I, I went to Stanford University. My honors thesis was on uh, Southeast Asian gangs. And I didn't realize it back then, but that thesis was really about on communities, right? Albeit yeah. a negative community, but the reason why people come together and a lot of reason, the main reason is you wanna feel like you're a part of something bigger. You wanna feel safe. You wanna feel secure. You, you wanna find meaning within your life. So, you know, everyone wants to feel like they belong to something and we're hardwired to want to run with the pack and it's a survival instinct. So for our ancestors, those that weren't in a pack would be the first to get killed by roving animals. We all instinctively know that we can't do this alone. And for even some of us who think that we can do it alone, it's so much better with the community. I am tearing up. This is so beautiful. You are absolutely right. Um, the, the power of belonging versus fitting in. I mean, you're talking about a change in our entire operating system, both personally and professionally, to make it a safe space for people to belong, to feel welcome, to feel honored and cherished. Um, wow. Oh my God. We have so much to talk about yeah. after the show. Um, Can I add something too? Yeah. One of the things that is central to my belief system is this raindrop philosophy. And it is this, individually we're like raindrops. What we do seems small and inconsequential, but when we come together, we become the ocean. And it's this ocean that creates waves and it creates the ripples. And this is how revolutions are started, right? When you think of the civil rights movement, Black Lives Matter, Me Too, it's about people coming together. And that's how change is happens and that's why i feel communities are so powerful i love all of that i'm a big fan of rfk's um ripples uh you know ripples of change speech yes. that's so powerful we are that and we need to realize the power in even one raindrop right and yes. the collective power and you know it's a tsunami of change that we can create together. Uh, you are my kind of woman. I'm so happy you're on the show today. This is amazing. Um, well, tell me a little more about, like you said that that community of seven and your focus is on, you know, both personal and professional highest and best selves. You know, this is how we uh, attract, you know, the highest and best in others as we become and know and love our highest and best self. How did you get to where you are? I know you had a remarkable story that's fantastic. How did you shift from a place of, you know, this is my story, what do I do with it to create change in the world? Like, when did you decide to embark on this, this amazing endeavor? So I actually started Community of Seven last year. Um, it's almost been a year. It's probably been about 10 months right now. And I was at Fortune Magazine last year at this time. I was recruited by Alan Murray, who's the CEO of Fortune, to build this multi-million dollar startup within uh, Fortune Magazine. And before that, I was a serial entrepreneur building businesses within companies. And so I was supposed to hire this huge team. I was on hire number five. COVID happened and I got wow. laid off. And um, it's fine because it actually t ended up being the best thing to ever happen to me. I didn't know it at the time. You know, when yeah. that happened, I found out that I had to lay off 
my entire team. And that was probably the most difficult thing I've ever been to, been through professionally because some of these people had left their jobs to work with me. Aww. So as soon as I found out, um, I was told not to tell the team. Of course, I told them immediately. Um, and I was like, we're going to shift from building a business to, I'm, you know, I made them a promise. I was like, I'm either going to, you know, help you get your new job or I'm going to start my own business and hire you back. And so it literally shifted where I was meeting with them initially, like three times a week. Then it became once a week and then a, once a month. You know, we, we still meet to this day a year later, but I'm happy to say that all of them have found jobs. Um, I wasn't able to scale and build my business fast enough to hire them because they all found jobs after that. Um, but it really talks about, that's actually how the community of Seven Nave came from, was that there was five of them, there was me, and even after we had left Fortune, we would still meet because I was helping them find jobs. And um, my daughter would join, who is uh, five at the time, Morgan. Aww. And um, one day she drew a picture of all of us, all seven of us, including her. And um, the name Community of Seven kind of grew from that. Wow, what a story. This is so beautiful. Oh my God, I have so many ideas running through my head. I want to promote this. I want to talk to you about this. Um, I want you to speak and share your story on stage. I do an event each year in my other, um, in, in another, you know, realm. Yeah. And, but we'll talk more about that. You are fascinating and you're, you know, this is definitely your ikigai, I can tell. Your heart-led, purpose-driven mission in life. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We, we have a lot of overlap, a lot in common. Um, yeah. I want to connect you with the people that I know who are aligned in this type of mission of lifting others and belonging and not competing, but, you know, collaborating instead, yeah. you know, uh, making the world a better place for all, not just for the dominant, right. And exactly. maybe changing what majority looks like and sounds like, and you know, shifting. I, I like to call it crashing the operating system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that, Susan, because I think what I say getting laid off was the best thing that, that could have happened to me. Because at that point, I thought I had found my dream job. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I, I, if I had, I probably wouldn't have left. I was on the executive team. I was making a lot of money. I, you know, I loved the job. I would not have left, but being COVID and then getting laid off forced me to kind of really focus on my values. And I realized, cause I never really had time to really pause and think. And I realized that my core values were this, my family and my friends who are my chosen family, my faith, helping people and freedom. None of the jobs that I've ever had in the past ever fulfilled any of those. And, um, it made me kind of realize, well, what is it that I want? And so, you know, the name community of seven just kind of popped up probably seven days later. Um, and that night I never built a website. I learned how to build a website. I, you know, even though I was like a senior marketer at a lot of organizations, I always had teams that I would do have like actually be the ones like managing the social pages, et cetera. I learned how to do all of that on LinkedIn. Facebook, had no clue what I was doing. 
and that we were able to build 10 months later a community of over 120,000 people collectively on LinkedIn and, and community. And a lot of that is because of the power of, of community. And when I built it, I was focused on how can I be of service to others? How can I help as many people in my lifetime? And so I wasn't really concerned about like, how am I going to monetize it? Right. My focus was how am I going to leave this world better, a better place for my daughter? I love that, that purpose-driven rather than profit-driven mission. I find, I live that too. And I think that people refer work to you. They trust you that the money will come, the money you need to sustain a good business um, in order to do your life's work um, when you're, when you're purpose-driven. I think that happens. And I think mm -hmm. you're living that right now. Um, what a theme you have of seven, right? So seven yeah. seems to be a powerful number in your life. You should, you should, um, that's your lucky number. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yes. And it, you know, it, it, seven has a lot of different meaning from kind of spirituality and that talks about my faith. Yeah. But also um, seven is also I, the ideal number of pe like people within a meeting. If you've ever been to a meeting and it's not productive, it's because seven is the ideal number of people that should be in meetings. And um, the more people you add beyond that, it loses its pr productivity by 10% for each person you add. So there's a lot of reasons why that seven is, is um, I, I guess, significant. Um, and so what I usually tell people is the whole seven being the ideal number for a meeting, but I, you know, <laughs> there's other, there's other things that are more personal to me. Uh, yeah. in terms of what matters. It is, it is a very good number. And I study social sciences. That's my background is comms theory. So we talk about Likert scales and how seven's the perfect uh, measure on a Likert scale. We talk about uh, meetings and the number of people to have uh, to effectuate learning should be, you know, seven to ten, no more. Same, yeah. same idea. So yeah, you're right on to something there. Um, I, I am so excited to have this offline conversation with you. I'm, I'm just like my wheels are spinning, my heart <laughs> pounding. You're amazing, and I love that your heart led. Um, this is clearly we need more of this, more of this. I, I would ask, is this your proudest professional accomplishment? But I, I, I think it's probably a silly question, but is this your proudest professional accomplishment? I wouldn't say proudest. I feel like this was what I was meant to do. Ah, so um, be most fulfilling. Yeah, yes. Um, because I won't say proud yet because I'm still building it, right? And I don't think it's, it's difficult to be proud of something until I see what my vision that it becomes realized, I guess, which is to help as many people as possible and to be a change, a force of change, a force of change, a force of good in the world. Um, but I feel like every pivot I've made in my career, every mistake I've made in my career, every good thing I've done in my career has led me to this moment. Um, in terms of like finding my real passion. And it's funny because even after this, um, you know, I've been the general manager of See Her, which is the gender equality initiative for the advertising industry. I've been senior leadership at different organizations. And I never felt like um, that it was my calling. I just felt like this is a job. And this is the first time I felt like I'm building something that 
is a part of me and that was meant for me. Have you ever heard the term Ikigai, which I've used a couple of times? Yes, I love that. Yeah, yes, the whole grid with the circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're totally living your vocation and the world needs what you do. And, you know, ultimately you could also get paid for this, um, but yeah. it's purpose-driven. Purpose you sound to me like a very self-actualized person, um, having been or being an introvert and having been through all the experiences that you've been through. Do you consider yourself self-actualized? Have you spent a lot of time in reflection? Yes. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I have an interesting background in that, in that my dad was Catholic and my mom was Buddhist. So, oh, I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, so, so my dad gave me the guilt. <laughs> the Catholic side gave me the guilt. And the Buddhist side really gave me that kind of contemplation and just realizing that um, th that self-realization is, is important and that we are not, you know, the material things or the titles or the, right. the whatever the I am's that we, we put in front of ourselves. Um, you know, that we're all connect interconnected in a lot of ways. And I think as soon as I was able to, to build a company that's based on how do we bring people together because we are interconnected and that we can kind of make this world a better place by connecting the dots, everything started to kind of fall into place. I am almost welling up with tears hearing you talk. You articulate my the things that make me wake up in the morning, right? This is this is the life that I live and the message that I want to share and you're living it too. And I think I found someone who is of the same mind and he, you know, head, heart, hands. Um, <clears throat> let me ask you this. So I've studied Buddhism as a philosophy and I try to live by it. And it, you know, when you said that so my mother was actually a Catholic nun before she left the nunnery, went to college and met my dad and got married. But um, we used to joke that guilt was the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I studied Buddhism, I really, really, uh, and this is off the beaten path here. This is not one of the questions I planned on addressing, but you, you brought me right down here. Um, when I studied Buddhism, it really meant a lot to learn that you know, we must attend to the here and now, the right now, the being present. Yes. yes. That is such a tough thing, I think, especially for Americans to embrace or understand or you know adapt their lives. We're always, you know, living in the past, mostly sorrowfully, I find, and always looking to the future, wanting something that's out of reach and never living in gratitude for the right now. Um, and I shouldn't say never because some are, and I think that's becoming, I guess it depends where you live and your community. Yeah. But I, I love that you live that. I mean, you are a remarkable woman and this story is remarkable and you need to be a keynote speaker, not just a speaker, but you need <laughs> to be a keynote at one of my events. I mean, they, they're, they're all across the country. Hundreds of people come um, their full day event. Um, it's a big deal. And I, I want to see you on stage and share your, your story. And the way that you tell it, you're soft-spoken, you have humility, you can tell your, um, it's your reason for breathing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. You're remarkable. Well, did someone inspire you outside of your life experience? Maybe your mom and dad, but did someone in particular, you know, mentor you, sponsor you, or in some way motivate you? I wouldn't say I had one mentor. Rather, it's been an amalgamation of friends, family, bosses, benefactors. You know, for each one of them, I've, I've learned a valuable lesson. Um, I truly believe people come in your life for a reason. Sometimes it's to tell us what we want in life and other times it's to tell us what we don't want in life. And they're all teachers. Um, for the purpose of this conversation, I'll talk about two and that's my father and my mother. Um, my father passed away when I was relatively young when I was in my twenties. Um, and he was a typical machismo Vietnamese man. So I love him to this day. Um, from him, I learned how to be an entrepreneur. Uh, he wasn't successful at it due to so many roadblocks he encountered being a, a, an immigrant in the United States when there was rampant racism. This is the 70s and the 80s. No banks would lend him money. Um, he, you know, he's the one that inspired me to love quotes. If you follow my um, community of seven pages on Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, there's a lot of quotes and each quote has like a, a micro learning in them. Um, but he would have me memorize, we would have these, this book of quotes lying around the house and he would have me memorize them. And um, I think that was his one way of teaching me lessons because he didn't know how else to kind of communicate. Even though he spoke perfect English and French and other languages, he, I think there was a cultural divide and he would, the way he taught me was to kind of have me memorize all of these, um, these quotes from my mother that's very touching yes and that's that's why you'll see a lot of quotes in community of seven even when i do my training and development and there's a personal history behind that um from my mother i learned about kindness and self-sacrifice so my father was disabled so he didn't really work so my mother supported our family of five on her income of ten thousand a year as a hairdresser so we didn't have much money, but my mom would save money each month and donate to the poor and the temples in Vietnam. And she taught me the power of kindness and the power of being of service to others. And that's one of my, my core values to this day is how can I serve? How can I help people? Um, and um, I, I took that from her. You're, li you're living a life of, of true purpose. And, and I think that's, you know, not everyone agrees with me, but I think that's our purpose on earth is to live in service to others. And the fulfillment you gain from that is personal, right? Some people don't, some people do, I do. Clearly you do. Um, this story has me welling up with tears. And I see, again, community of seven, five children, your mom and dad. Um, again, seven reappearing in your life has a number that's meaningful. Um, yeah. Wow. This is such a story. This is so amazing. I want to also write about you. I want to, I want to, you know, put your voice into words as well. Um, we'll, we'll write a blog about you. We'll include all the links to the things that you reference. But the, the hearing you tell your story is, is, you know, very compelling. More than my writing about you. <laughs> hearing you Thank tell the story. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I would say, <laughs> what has been your biggest challenge? 
and how did you overcome it? But I'm guessing, again, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing you've had a couple. Um, what would you deem one that you're willing to share about and how did you overcome that? And then we'll talk about how we can help women in business. Well, I, I think I mentioned it earlier in terms of when I got laid off and yeah. the challenge was laying off those people who left their companies to work for me and now they were jobless during a pandemic. They were about to lose their health insurance and the guilt that I had. Yeah. In terms of how I overcame it is, and once again, you have to consider this is the height of the pandemic. I just lost my job. I'm trying to figure out how to pay my mortgage. And I was going through a deep depression. And um, I woke up and let me rewind it a little bit my daughter is actually the one that helped me get out of it. She, because uh, I was crying literally every day and multiple times a day. And she would go through these breathing exercises with me, which is this five finger exercise where you put your fingers out, you would put your hands and you would breathe five counts in, five counts out. And uh, she kind of got me through that. And she's five <laughs> at this time. Amazing. And one day she said, mommy, one day I'm going to start a business and become a boss so I can hire you. Aww. And um, that just shook, shook, shook me off out of my funk, right? And I just realized, Lan, you need to pull your big girl panties up and just figure it out. And just, you know, one step at a time. I think the big thing for me was in a, when I started focusing on others when I started thinking about how can I help other people and I stopped feeling sorry for myself, like of getting laid off and not sure where I was going to pay my bills and all this other stuff. I was just like, I'll figure it out. And when I started to realize that it was to be of service to God and to helping people, that's when I started seeing the light. I am in tears. I have a child that that is the reason I breathe and he helped me through a tough time like that. They're little wise, they're little wise souls, right? So, yeah. you know, they're, they're not, I think they're wiser than we give them credit for, right? So they they're are. tainted they are. by the secular world yet. They're, you know, free to be who they are and they operate from a place of, you know, spiritual maturity. Yes, yes the innocence uh, about them right that's right they haven't been told don't say that that's weird don't do that that's odd don't think that or you know yeah uh, yeah this is so moving so touching yeah um how old is morgan now she's six she's six that is so sweet yeah well that makes sense yeah, yeah. um well that is so beautiful um that said since you have a daughter and you are a remarkable woman helping men, women, and those who don't identify as either, you're helping everyone. Um, but my focus is on lifting women in business. How can you uh, advise us to best do so? I think the best way women can help other women, um, especially entrepreneurs, is to be someone's first customer. So when I see females launching products and companies, I always try to be a first customer. I always try to buy. I always try to support. Um, whatever the product is, um, you know, if I financially can. Um, and the funny thing is that it always comes back to you. Um, this actually benefited me recently. 
Um, as, as I mentioned, I launched a community of seven last year with the intention of it really focusing on the invite only membership community part, right? Um, and then when we officially launched in January, I realized that there was a, an opportunity to work with corporations looking to truly build communities and the sense of belongingness with their staff. And one of my dear friends, Mita Malik, um, who's a head of- I know her very oh, well. You know yeah, uh-huh. She is yeah, she's been a podcast guest as well. Oh, awesome. Well, media is amazing. Um, I met her when she was at Unilever. And then um, recently this year, she went to, uh, to become the head of inclusion, equity, and impact at Carta. It's a technology company that specializes in table management and valuation software. Um, she told me, send me a proposal. And I told her I wasn't ready. And she literally kicked my ass and said, You've been doing this all your life. You have a freaking master's degree from Harvard Graduate School of Education on training and develop, like uh, teaching and curriculum. Send me a proposal. And I created a proposal. I kind of had this vision of what I wanted to create. Long story short, I did, and Carter became my first corporate client. And we, actually first, we just did our first event on Monday, and it was amazing. We had 270 Cartons, which is their employees, come to this event. We had um, amazing, amazing speakers. Um, it was really powerful. And so it's this whole thing with sometimes when, as a, as a woman entrepreneur, you're gonna have doubts and you need your circle of girlfriends that are just say, you can do it. That are gonna kick your ass and say, you can do it, do it. <laughs> I love this. And she is that woman. And I met her through another woman who's, uh, Jill Katz, if you know Jill. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's how I met Mita. And she, they've both been on my podcast as well. Um, Mita is going to be a speaker at one of my events as well. She's already committed. But um, I love her. She is not afraid to speak out on behalf of working moms and, you know, the stresses and, and strains that are put upon us that people don't even recognize. Um, I teach a lot about Mita group theory and how this country operates in the language of, and I mean that both verbally and non-verbally, of white males. And yeah. I don't speak white male and you don't speak white male. And the majority of us don't. And mm -hmm. here we are having to, for since the 1990s, been forced to or taught to mimic men in order to be successful in corporate America. And that's not okay, which is where I came up with the um, theory that we need to crash the operating system instead of try to you know operate within it uh, nav yeah. navigation within that is difficult when you don't speak the language so to speak um yeah but yeah I've, I've had a lot of conversations with friends about this and i think a lot of time um for women for bipoc executives we've been taught that we are to be in the background so we for a lot of us we might have senior positions like svp evp even in the C-suite, but it's always kind of in relation to being the background for someone else. And, sure. you know, the philosophy I had, and I told someone with this, I'm not waiting to, for a seat at the table anymore. I'm going to build my own table. There you and go. That's just- Get your ass at the table, like yeah. like it would say. Exactly. I love it. I love it. You're incredible. That's That's amazing. That's amazing. So much for us to talk about off the show. Um, so much overlap, so much in common, so much um, aligned 
mission, vision, strategy, belief. Um, as you probably agree, I don't know, but I'll ask you, um, we can change people's thoughts and attitudes, but they have to change their behaviors. Yes. So it's up to us to tell the compelling stories that are backed by data and then to follow up and say, you know, here's some action items and what have you done to change your behaviors and how have you, you know, changed your policies, practices, pay your pipeline, not just put a statement on the website and cut a check to an organization. What are you actually doing? Not, not what do you know? We've been raising awareness for all our lives on, on equity and such, but what are you doing? What are you doing? So um, I, I love the work that you do and, and not just the work that you do because a lot of people might argue, well, plenty of people are working on inclusion. That's not it. It's yeah. bigger than that. Belonging means more than just that, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's the way that you're doing it um, that's unique and different and beautiful. And just, I'm like a moth to a flame right now. So pardon mm -hmm. me if you think that's weird. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I, I so, definitely feel sort of kindred with yeah, kindredship with you as well. Totally. I mean, I've cried and cried a couple times. I'm glad we're not on camera. Um, yeah, I'm in Hawaii and it's earlier here than anywhere and I'm not fit to be seen. And yet I add tears to this and a cherry pie face. Um, I know that people are going to want to know more about you. Um, can you tell us how they can reach you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for me at LAN, L-A-N-P-H-A-N. They could also find Community of Seven. Just search for Community of Seven on LinkedIn or Facebook and then on our website, communityofseven.com. And we do um, programming like micro learnings and let's talks for the community that I, you know, I've made free during um, COVID. And so we have just different speakers speaking we have um, Anne-Marie Squio, which is the Chief Communication and Brand Officer of Xerox, Raja Rajamanar, CMO of MasterCard coming in to speak. Um, but, you know, I think the whole thing is be, create a community, connect with people, um, be of service, um, be that raindrop and uh, um, let's make the world a better place. And your motives have to be pure. People will, yeah. will will smell it if it's, you know, disingenuous. Exactly. So well, you're beautiful. I mean that in every way. And yeah, I did catch a glimpse of her on video. <laughs> beautiful, but that's not what I mean. She's that and more, you know. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. And, and thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you or hear you next time. Awesome. Thanks, Susan. Bye-bye.